0: Man, it is great to see all of you. Family Fun Day, if you're here for the first time, you're wondering what's going on. um, We're having family and fun in the same place right here at church. We're going to be ripping out all the chairs in about 25 minutes. We'll rip them all out, and we'll put uh, bouncy castles here, a competition bounce course. Then there's food trucks that will be outside, and... It will really be good. But let me, one other thing that we've added to this whole scenario is that we have added um, a service booth. And what we're doing, last week we started taking up, uh, raising money for the flood relief movement that's taking place here in the Carolinas. And you you raised about $2,000 last week, and we're partnering with a church, Pine View United Methodist Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. And what we're doing is we're creating dignity bags. So we have set up in our room back there in the prayer room, we have set up a little conveyor booth, a conveyor belt type of situation. And what we're inviting you families to do is to go there with your kids. Take a plastic bag, and you'll be able to put all the different elements. and I kind of came up with the idea of calling them dignity bags because if you've ever lost everything before, you know that one thing that you need in the middle of it while you just don't feel like you have your stuff and you don't have your house is that sense of displaced dignity because you don't know how you're going to wash or you're going to bathe. Well, we're going to answer that problem. But what I want you to do is not only have your kids see you enjoy the bouncy castles and the different competitions and the food and all, but it will be a great time to see mom and dad go through together with them and begin to put and assemble those bags so that they associate fun with service. Also, for the littler ones, there's a uh, 4 by 6 card, crayons, paints, and everything needed for them to make a little card so that it can go inside of that bag, so they can communicate to the people that get those bags that God loves them and God knows right where they are. So we're glad that you're here today. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be good for the whole family. You know, we've been talking about getting closer to God and in the Bible Belt, we kind of have to unlearn that a little bit because when we think about getting closer to God, we think about just memorizing Scripture and becoming a scholar in the Scriptures or modi- uh, uh, modifying our behavior so that we're mo- morally right. And those are, those are some things that are part of it. But we've been talking about leaning into God, kind of developing a relationship that, that leans into Him personally. We love the example that David gave us in Psalm 1 when he said, Blessed is the man or woman or child who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the way, the law of the Lord, the way that God has revealed himself. And on his law he meditates day and night, that he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of living water, and he will yield his fruit in season whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do will prosper. So instead of us being a church where we pursue prosperity, we're a church that realizes that getting closer to God is what brings prosperity into a person's life. We're not after the stuff. We're not even after happiness. We're after the closeness of God, growing closer and closer to him, and as a result of it, we begin to experience the prosperity of life that God intended for us, as we grow in our knowledge of God, as we grow in our relationship with him. There's a beautiful story that shows how much God wants to grow close to us. I mean, it really, the the story is absolutely beautiful. Um, And there are these two guys that Jesus runs into that really want to be close to him. Kind of our example, showing us how we should be and, and God makes a way for these two men to overcome the hindrances in their lives to encounter him. Because if you're like me, it's not easy all the time getting to know God. There are just sometimes things get in the way. There are sometimes times when I really even don't want to do it, or I just get caught up and busy in, in the things of life. So Jesus is entering a town called Jericho. And while he's entering this city he encounters two men that are hindered from getting closer to him. They feel like us. There are times when they feel like, I, I just don't feel God, or I, I just don't know if God's close to me, or I just don't sense his presence in my life, or does God love me? Or I just, I just got to know, and I've got to get closer. The interesting thing that we're going to see in this story is that both of these men are hindered from seeing Jesus. There's something in their lives that's keeping them from seeing Jesus. So let me read to you about the first man. Luke 18, 35 tells us the story. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now, hearing the crowd going by, he began to inquire, what was this? That's kind of the first step that the human heart does. It begins to inquire, what is this God thing? What is God doing? What is all this noise about God? And and what's going on with God? And God's made our hearts that way so that that whether you're a young child or you're an older person or someplace in the middle, that your heart at times will begin to ask the question, what's going on? What's, What's my purpose? What is life about? What is God doing in the world around me? And so this man was there, and he began to inquire, what's the commotion, what's going on? And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. So he called out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. Now, kids, can you imagine that? That there is a group of people out there that are telling you to just be quiet Don't get excited about Jesus. Don't call out to Jesus. Don't follow after Jesus. Just stay in your place. And I think a lot of us as adults, we have just stayed in our place. Because something told us not to go any further with God. Something told us to stay right where we are in the conditions of our lives, whether it's a person, whether it's a situation, and we just remained where we were. But this guy, I love this guy, He wasn't going to let anybody, and this is a good usage of the word, he was not going to let anybody shut him up. So those who led the way sternly kept telling him, be quiet. But he kept crying all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He just kept getting louder because his heart was telling him, listen, God is a good thing and I want more God in my life. So Jesus stopped and he commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him. Really cool point there. He began following him and glorifying God, and when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. It's like, wow. See, I also want to make sure you realize that his faith wasn't so much in that he was going to be healed. His faith was very much connected with the idea that if I get closer to God, God will impact my life. That's where his faith was. He didn't know anything else. All he knew was the son of David was walking by, and he called out to mercy, for mercy. And Jesus said, your pursuit of me, your expression of faith, is where the healing is going to flow into your lives. A lot of us as adults, we want healings or we want changes in our lives without pursuit. We want God just to fix the different things in our lives, but we really don't want to have any kind of crying out in our lives. We want to stay in our place, but we want God still as we stay in our place. But there's a point when we got to push out beyond our lives and cry out for the mercy of God. And we find and discover that God is right there. And all the other people that were holding him back, they were just blown away. They were amazed. This man was hindered by his physical condition, but he called out. And God's grace made a way for him to encounter Jesus called the healing. This man was being hindered by those who were around him. But he desired Christ so much and in a way that it changed his sight and it changed his heart. And he pressed into God regardless of the hindrance and and encountered the closeness of the grace and the power of God. He just decided, I'm not letting this get in the way. I'm not going to use that as an excuse anymore. I'm just going to go after God. Then there's a second man. Now, what I thought was funny about this story, and I think it's a little funny, is that both of these stories are told right after each other while Jesus is entering the same town of Jericho. So Jesus is basically driving to work, and these are the things that happen while he drives to work. Now, what happens while you drive to work? I mean, we get angry, we get upset, Charleston's too big, all those people from Ohio need to go back. You know, shut down 77. We don't have enough room for anybody else here in Charleston. But, you know, what do you do when you're on your way to work? What do you do when you're driving the kids to school? I just think it's incredible that when Jesus is traveling and he's, he's commuting, he's changing people's lives. So maybe as you're driving through traffic on Monday, maybe think a little bit differently about the traffic. Maybe begin to pray for the people in the cars around you or the children in the car with you that they may encounter God and that the hindrances may be removed from their lives. But I think it's really funny that we're told twice that Jesus is entering into Jericho. And we'll we'll find out there's some really beautiful truth in that. So we continue with the second man, Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector. Let me just tell you, when the name Zacchaeus is being told to us, the reason why it's important that we're told Zacchaeus, it wasn't because Zacchaeus was so famous that everybody knew his name. It is probably that Zacchaeus, whatever's about to happen to him, happens to him so much that he becomes renowned among the community of believers. They know his name not because Zacchaeus was the biggest, most powerful man in the region, but because his impact, this encounter with God is going to change his life so much that everybody's going to know his name as a result of it and how it affects his life. So there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and he too was hindered from seeing. He was unable to see, see because of the crowd, and this wasn't because he was blind, but because he was small of stature. We all have reasons why we just don't see God in our lives. We all have different reasons why things that hinder us from seeing God. So we ran ahead, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received Jesus gladly. And when they saw it, they began to grumble, saying, Hmm, Jesus has gone to be with the guests of a man who was a sinner. See, there's always somebody who's going to try to get in your way. Somebody that's going to try to block your view. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. What? I mean, this guy is really seeing. This guy is really encountering, because if you gave away half of your stuff, and if you made half all of your stuff by defrauding people, and you were gonna pay back four times as much, what does that make you? Poor, real fast. But that's how much Zacchaeus wanted to encounter God. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Zacchaeus was being hindered from seeing Jesus because of his height. The first man called out. The second man climbs up. See, every one of us have an action that we can perform that expresses the intention of our hearts. Too many times we just talk about, man, I want to be closer to God. I want to be closer to God. I wish God would move in my life. I wish God would do something. I wish God would change my life. I wish wish, wish God would work my family. But, you know, there's got to be a place where we express what we want to see happening in our lives. And so the first man calls out because that's all he had was to call out. And then so Zacchaeus, the second man, he climbs up because that's all he's got is a tree. And Zacchaeus wanted Jesus so much that he literally goes out on a limb. In the first story, the grace of God provided a healing for the man to see. Let me ask the kids this. What did the grace of God provide this time for Zacchaeus to be able to see him? Kids, any ideas? What did the grace of God provide? I know they all know, and they just don't want to say, especially that little one there with her hands folded just looking at me, you cannot make me talk to you, mister. You're still a stranger. My mom said, don't talk to strangers. (laughs) That's very good. What God provided was a tree. God provided a tree as an expression of his grace. For the first man, what did the man need? He needed healing, so God said, okay, If you can't see because of this, then I will heal you so that you can see because you have cried out and you want to see. Well, Zacchaeus had two really good eyes, but don't think for a second it's any less miraculous that God, 20 years earlier, could have made sure that a sycamore tree would grow up right next to that road because God, in his foreknowledge and love and compassion, said, listen, 20 years from now, this is going to be this little short guy that's not gonna be able to see me, so I want a tree right here. You say, that's crazy. Well, the Bible tells us that God knows the numbers of our, the hair on our heads. What is the earth? The earth is just a bald guy needing hair. And what are trees? They're hair. So God, if God can number the hairs of your head, he can definitely keep track of how many trees are on the planet. And he decided by his grace that one day, A man's going to need help from me to find me, and I am going to provide a tree for him to be able to do that. See, Zacchaeus' pursuit of God was not stopped by the crowd. But I also tell you what, it wasn't stopped by. It wasn't stopped by his wealth. It wasn't like, God, I want you so much until you get to my wallet. And then, you know, we don't go there, God. That's between me, me, and me. And you don't mess with my wallet. But the key is, when he climbed out the tree, you know what Jesus saw when he looked up? He didn't see a short man. He saw a heart wide open, saying, "God, I want you. I want all of you. And I'm ready to let you to move into my life, whatever spaces of my life you want to move into." So he wasn't stopped by people. He wasn't stopped by his wallet. Zacchaeus opened his life to God. Remember that making contact with God and being close to God are not the same thing. You can make contact with God today here at church. You know, whenever two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. Making contact with God is is a great thing. But don't confuse contact with God with closeness with God. And what changes the encounter, because there was a lot of people making contact with Jesus, what changes the encounter is the openness of your heart. How much do you want him to move into your life? Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus with joy. And I think when the heart is humbled, it softens. And on the other hand, when pride hardens the heart, we don't enjoy the presence of Christ. It has been said that the same sunlight that softens the wax will also harden the clay. So, the effect that Jesus was having on people was different. For some people, they saw him go by and, hmm, yeah, he eats and drinks with sinners. We know about his kind. But then there are others whose hearts are softened and needing God and wanting to be closer to God, and his presence has a different effect on their lives. I think the story also reveals a pattern or or a habit of God. And that's really important to find in the Bible. What is God into? Uh, What is God like? It kind of reveals what he wants. So if you see God doing something a lot of the same thing, you know, I can't figure out everything God does. Um, You know, like the big flood story? That was pretty cool. Well, if you weren't in it, if you were in the boat, it was a pretty cool story. But you know, he does that kind of once, so, I don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out how he got all the animals on the boat. What I try to understand is all the things that God does repetitively, because that's revealing, if you're like me, what I do a lot of, often, most of the time, is usually the thing that's going on inside of my heart. So I think it's interesting that this story reveals a pattern of something that God does, which reveals something about what God loves. I love that it says that Jesus is always approaching, entering, and passing through the town. Huh. I mean, the story tells it twice with each man. Same town, same day. But it wants us to realize that Jesus has a pattern of approaching, of entering, and passing right through the very heart of the town. Why does it tell us that? Because the the habit of God with with people like you and me, is that he approaches us to enter us and to pass through the heart of who we are as individuals. Every single day, God approaches you through his spirit. Every single day, God wants to enter into your life. Every single day, God wants to pass through the center of who you are as an individual. He wants to be a part of your life. So over and over in the Gospels, we're told that Jesus is moving, moving, moving. Why? Is it for geography? No, to show us that the intention and the pattern and the habits of God is to approach, to enter, and to pass through the very heart of your life. And that's what he's doing. But there was a lot of people in that city that day that let Jesus walk right by. They encountered him, but they didn't experience the closeness of God. So why does Jesus want us to, why does he always approach to enter and to pass through our lives? For one reason, it's so that we follow him. He approaches, he enters, and he passes through so we can join the movement by following him with our lives. See, that's, that's why this blind man's story is in the story. You know, Jesus healed gazillions of people. I mean, the Apostle John said there were so many miracles that if they wrote them all down, there would be so many books that it would fill the whole earth. Kind of a you know, hyperbole, but, you know, it's a good one. You know, it's a, but he said Jesus did so many miracles. But why tell this miracle? Why did this one make it into the book? It's because the habit of God and the response of man are recorded. Jesus approaches... Jesus enters, Jesus passed through, and a man says, I want to follow you. The blind man follows Jesus. Jesus approaches, Jesus enters, Jesus passes through, Zacchaeus comes down from the tree, and he follows after Jesus. Jesus said it this way in Revelation 3.20. He said, behold, every single day of your life, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. He invites us to draw closer and closer to him. That's the habit of God. And that habit of God shows the desire of God. He wants closeness with you. So it doesn't matter what you did yesterday, it doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. Today, Jesus is here approaching you. For some of you today Jesus is already approached and is entering into your life. For some of you Jesus has already approached he's already entered and you know that he is passing through your life and you're wondering what does he want me to do? He wants you he wants you to follow him. He wants you to respond to him. But sometimes things block our view. There's a couple of things that block my view, that I just kind of thought about what gets in my way. It's not because I'm blind, and it's not because I'm short. But these things are just as powerful as blindness. My schedule, my shame, my stubbornness, and my sin. I think we probably all got them. Sometimes I just get too busy to climb that tree. God, that's a really nice tree. I really like that church. Man, the music is really good, and they really teach the Word of God there. And they got a good children's program, and and it's really good. But, God, I really don't got time for church. We got soccer. Soccer. I really can't say anything more than that. It's soccer. I can see football. I don't know. I can see football maybe getting in the way, but soccer, you know, it's like, wow, okay. You know, We got schedules. We're so busy about things in our lives. I just don't have time to spend time with God. How about shame? Some of us, we let shame stand in front of us like the crowd in front of us. Things that we did wrong. Things that we went through. Crimes that we may have committed in our lives. Failures we may have done. And they stand forever as the crowd telling us, don't yell out. Don't cry out for mercy. Don't call out for God. Don't go up the tree. You can't see Jesus because you're different than everybody else. You're broken. You're weird. You're shameful. You're unacceptable. You're different. You're rejected. You can't see. And it's the biggest lie the crowd will ever communicate to you. And for some of us, It's not the crowd it could be the devil and then for other of us it's not the crowd or the devil it's us saying it to ourselves you have no right to climb up on the tree you have no right to climb out God knows what you've done you deserve to be blind you deserve to be short you deserve to be unliked and nothing could be farther from this truth Jesus approaches, enters, and passes through to call all of us into a relationship with him. So whether it's our schedule, whether it's our shame, whether it's our stubbornness, some of us are just so prideful. We don't want to cry out. We don't want to show that we're weak. You say, well, dude, you're almost 60, and you're up there on the stage dancing with the kids before praise and worship. You need to grow up. You and your stupid V-neck t shirt Yeah, that's right. You know what you missed? This is Sperry's, okay? This is what sets it all apart. But, you know, it's like, so what am I going to do? If you're 60 or over here, I want, other than bad knees, and even then, what took your dance away? What took your dance away? What crowd did you let tell you that you're not supposed to get excited about God? and that life's all over for you. You know, what crowd did you let say that it's all done and your mistakes can never be resolved? And you don't need to climb up a tree to get to see the masterwork in your life. It's a lie. But for some of us, we're just too stubborn. We're too set in in our ways. We believe that stupid adage that says you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But what if the old dog becomes a new creation in Christ? You can teach it anything. I mean, seriously. The other thing that gets in our way is just plain sin. You know, when I sin, you know, I don't think it's the crime of sin that's as bad as the shame of sin that comes with it, you know? God says, listen, you'd see me much more if you'd start living a life in the way that I've asked you to live it. Because that's where the blessing and the success and the joy and all that is. I love you even when you mess up, Paul. But I tell you what, here's what sin does. It doesn't remove you from me, but it removes your ability to see me move in your life. But all of us have these things that get in the way. Are you going to let them block you? Are these things greater than the grace of God to block you? Like both of these men, we all, every one of us can discover that God has already provided a way for us to see him. And it's called grace. God wants us to be close to him. And the cross of Christ is the tree that God made for you to see him. God makes trees for people to be able to see him. But here's what grace is. He went out on the limb so that you could see him. He hung on the tree so that you could look from your broken life and short life and see him on the tree. He switches places with Zacchaeus. And he says, I will go on the tree so that you can see me each and every one of us so as we move into this moment we call it expressions and here's why we call it expressions is because we know that God is here he's approaching he's entering and he's passing through this moment we know that he's standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking but the human heart has to respond There's no tree for you to climb up here today, but there is a way that we respond to God called expressions. And maybe in this moment, it will be a time of prayer between you and God. And you do your crying out to God by maybe going over and getting one of our notes and writing down your prayer of son of David, have mercy on me and pinning it to the tree that is greater than the tree of Zacchaeus. Maybe in this moment, you just don't have the ability to cry out. There's too many things standing in your ways. And our pastors are over on the side, and and maybe you just need to grab one of them, and you need to have them help you, lead you into that prayer of crying out for God. Maybe you're here, And you want to look up at the tree of Christ and see the one who hung on the limb so that all of us could see him. And as we serve the body and blood of Christ through communion to you, this is a time that we look, that when we hold that bread and we dip it into that cup, we remember, we remember him who knew no sin became sin for us. Him who was accursed upon a tree, the God of heaven who goes out on the limb and hangs from it so that you and I could all, from our shortness and blindness, could look up and see the grace of God. So let me invite you. He is approaching, he is entering, he is passing through. Open your heart to receive Christ today. And let me encourage you, parents, as your kids are with you in this moment, this is a moment where they see what you do. You may be helping them define their future response to God. So even if they don't know what communion is, take them up with you. Let them see you take it. So that one day when they're old enough, that they too will be able to look to that same limb, that same tree for the mercy that fills our hearts. Father, we just thank you for this moment. And we thank you. Because today, you're entering a different city, and it's not Jericho. Today, you are entering our lives. You have approached, you have entered, and you are passing through Crosstown Church. And even deeper yet, God, you have approached and entered and are passing through the hearts of men and women and children in this auditorium. And to each and every one of us, you are knocking at the door, and you're saying, open up. For I will come in and I will dine with you. I will do life with you. I will enjoy life with you. I will will help you in your struggles. I will give you grace to climb in healing to see. So, Father, we enter into this moment as you have entered into this moment through your grace.